wonderful job. Wow, I'm looking forward to that program. I know you are as well. Would you pray with us? We're having some issues. We're dealing with a, a sound system that's wanting to act up, and they, they need everything working properly for that night, and we've got some more work going to take place this week on the sound system. And so would you pray with us that uh, we can get that worked out and uh, have a good, good, good program? You should have found a sheet on your pew when you came in today, a song, Mary Did You Know. You'll grab that, get your Bible out as we continue looking at some Christmas carols together. In our series on Christmas carols, we've traveled way back uh, many years. We've examined the history behind many. In fact, recently we went back as far as the 8th century. Uh, But our song today, we don't have to turn the calendar back too much. In fact, uh, this particular song we're going to look at today uh, was first published in 1991. I got to thinking about that. I think I was in high school at uh, 1991. So some think, boy, he's really old. Some think, boy, he's really young. So I'll go with the latter group on that. But... um, Since then, this song we're going to be looking at today has become a favorite to many. In fact, it's the favorite Christmas song of President Bill Clinton, uh, as I understood as I studied it this past week. And it's a song that was written uh, by Southern Gospel's crazy, uh, funny man, Mark Lowry, uh, obviously called Mary Did You Know. And you have a copy there in front of you. Uh, Let me tell you the story behind it. Ace Collins Uh, shares the following. In 1984, Mark was living in Houston, feeling blessed to have Mark uh, Lowry and his flock. Mark's pastor asked him to write the program for the Living Christmas Tree Choir presentation. The group traditionally sang familiar holiday carols, so Lowry's job was to write the bridges that connected one song to another. And it was while working on the project that Mark considered what it would have been like to be Jesus' mother. Mark said, when I wrote this thing about Mary, I began by thinking I was interviewing her on her thoughts of being a mother to Jesus. A couple of lines I wrote really stood out, like when you kiss your little baby, you've kissed the face of God. I just thought that this needed to be a song. Now, Colin said, although Lowry gave the words to a solid, solid music writer, he wasn't happy with the results. In fact, the melody to him did not have the right feel. And so he filed away. Uh, Mary, did you know? And he decided to wait on the Lord's timing rather than just put his lyrics to music that failed to move him. Well, later on, Buddy Green uh, would write the melody, the tune that you and I know that has uh, been accompanying this song ever since. And and Collins said, for the first time in decades, a new Christmas song has become an important facet of traditional holiday celebrations. For the first time ever, Southern Gospel music had given the world a Christmas carol. Now, I'm just curious, how many of you know the song before you today, Mary, Did You Know? Let me see your hands. All right, well, that's good, because if you didn't know it, uh, it may not be as meaningful today as we look at this uh, Christmas carol. Now, it's not in our hymnal, uh, obviously. It is in the New Baptist hymnal, but thanks to this little CCLI license that we have, we can legally provide you a copy of it today. We're going to try to sing it later on. Uh, That license lets us send out our CDs with music, and we pay a little extra for our podcast. But take a look at the song with me there. You have a copy of it, and I want to read it. And I want you to follow along as I read it, and we're going to jump into the Scripture as well. We're letting these songs drive us to the Scripture. 
And I'm going to read it as it's written. You'll notice it goes verse 1, then back to the beginning of verse 2. Then there's a bridge. And then you go from that bridge back to verse 3 and then down to the very last uh, line there on the bottom of page right. So let's, let's read it. You follow along as I read. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy had come to make you new? This child that you've delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would give sight to the blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would calm the storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? And when you kiss your baby, you've kissed the face of God. Then notice the bridge. The blind will see. The deaf will hear. The dead will live again. The lame will leap. The dumb will speak. The praises of the Lamb. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect Lamb? And the sleeping child you're holding is the great I Am. Those are some powerful words, beloved, when you think about it. You know, Mary is a character that's taken and has been taken to extremes in church history. There are those that exalt her to a place where she should never be, uh, praying to Mary and worshiping Mary. Uh, That should never take place. But on the opposite extreme, there are those who almost shun her entirely and barely want to mention her name because of those who took her to the other extreme. There's a blessed balance when it comes to Mary, beloved. She does not deserve our worship, but she does deserve our respect because she allowed the Lord to use her in such a way to bring forth the Savior, Emmanuel, God with us, God in the flesh. Now, Mary was a real living girl in a real world. Not sinless, mind you, but obviously a a devout follower of the Lord. She was a virgin. The Bible is very clear that she had never known a man in a sexual way, yet she was going to bring forth a baby, Emmanuel, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. And as I've been thinking about Mary this past week, um, I've been reminded of some lessons that I want to share with you this morning. If you'll go ahead and open your Bibles to begin with in the Gospel of Luke, please. The Gospel of Luke will be there in a, in a few moments. Luke chapter 1. And we're not going to just focus on one passage. You know, often we'll take just one passage of Scripture and we'll focus and hone in on it. What we're going to do today is look at the whole story of Mary in many regards and, and, and see some lessons as we look at several different Scriptures. You'll forgive me, my ankles bother me a little bit today, so if I have a seat, don't uh, get too concerned, okay? Uh, but here's what I want to remind you today as we look at this. The first lesson I want to remind you of as we think about Mary is this thought that God has a plan for your life. Did you know that? God has a plan for your life. Just as God had a plan for Mary's life, God has a plan for your life. And that plan begins at the foot of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, I'm thankful. Don't turn there, but listen to what the Bible says in 2 Peter 3.9. It says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The reason we have a virgin bringing forth a son, 
the Savior of the world is because God loves us and desires to have a relationship with us. You see, sin has cut us off from a holy God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so God bridged that gap between a sinful person and a holy God through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Mary obviously knew the Lord as her Savior. Did you know that? She was a sinner who needed a Savior. In fact, I want you to listen to her own words. You say, well, are you sure about that? Yes, I am. Look with me at Mary's own testimony. Look at chapter 1 of Luke. Beginning at verse 46, okay? Luke chapter 1, verse 46. This is Mary praising the Lord. And I want you to notice what she says in Luke chapter 1 and verse 46. It says, and Mary says, uh, said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my, what's it say? My Savior. God my Savior. You see, she had placed her faith in the Lord. And God had a plan for her life and God has a plan for your life. But that plan begins at the foot of the cross, the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, where you turn from your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the starting point, but not the ending point. You see, the moment that you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you are saved, no doubt about it. If you were to die that very moment, you would go to heaven because you placed your faith in Jesus and he is your Savior. But listen. What takes place at that time is not only the fact that you would go to heaven, but at that very moment, you are given new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're given a, a, a new name and a new destiny and a new purpose. And it begins a wonderful life of living for the Lord Jesus Christ. And God has a plan for your life. Now, God had an assignment for Mary and God has an assignment for you. If you want to listen, you can. If you want to turn there, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. Now, we often use verses 8 and 9 to talk about the fact that no one is saved by works. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, but not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And sometimes we stop reading right there. But I want you to listen to verse 10. Ephesians 2, 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, listen, for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Listen to the way the New Living Translation uh, has that verse. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Now think about that, beloved. You're God's masterpiece. He has plans for your life, things He said He wants you to do, and He's working in your life and through your life. And, And God is working... In our lives to shape us and mold us, to make us like the Lord Jesus. But he has a specific plan for your life. Now our assignments may be somewhat different. God may call you to do some things he won't call me to do. And vice versa. But there are some things we all share in common. Did you know that? For instance, the motive of our assignment. The motive of our life is all the same. 1 Corinthians 10.31 Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all... To the glory of God. 1 Peter 4.11 says, If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So whatever God's assignment is for you specifically, we share this in common. Our assignments bring honor and glory to the Lord. 
We're here to bring honor and glory to God. And whatever he calls us to do, whether we eat, whether we drink, whatever we do, the Bible says, if you speak or minister, do it to the glory of God. Did you know we also share in common the fact that God is working in us and molding us and shaping us to be like the Lord Jesus? Romans 8, 29 says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestinated to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And so God is working in your life, believer, to make you like his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's an exciting thought, isn't it? He's making us like Jesus. So God has a plan for your life. It begins at the foot of the cross. It's carried out for the glory of God. He's working to make us more like Jesus. But God has an assignment for you. Now for Mary, the assignment was what? Bring forth the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That was her specific assignment. For me... God has called me to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's called me to be a husband to my wife, Danielle. He's called me to be a dad to three boys. And he's called me to be a pastor to this flock. And for you, God has an assignment for you. He desires for you to be saved, number one. We've already established that. He desires for you to live for him and follow him. But there's some specific things that God has for your life. He wants to do through you. God has a plan for your life. And maybe you're here today and you say, well, I'm not sure what it is. I'm not sure exactly what it is that God has called me to do. Well, let me remind you of some several other things here when it comes to Mary's life that's applicable to our life. Let me remind you, secondly, that God's plan means blessing for you. Did you know that? Now, God has a plan for your life, and that plan means blessing for you. We see it in Mary's life. You're still in Luke chapter 1. Look and back up in verse uh, uh, 26. We'll begin reading there. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Drop down to verse 30. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Drop down to verse 48. Mary says, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Now remember this. Following God's plan for your life equals blessings. <coughs> Following God's plan for your life equals blessings to you and for you. Now I didn't say riches. I didn't say fame and fortune. I said it equals blessings. There's a sweet Peace and joy that's found in the midst of God's will for your life. As you live in God's will for your life, there's sweet peace and joy and there's blessing there. But you see, there's not only a blessing for you. God's plan means blessing for you. God's plan for your life means blessings for others. Did you know that? God's plan for your life means blessings for others. And we see that in Mary's life, don't we? You still in chapter one of Luke? Look at verse 31. It says, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. 
And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. Drop down to verse 54. Mary is speaking again. She says in verse 54 and 55, these words, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Beloved, following God's plan for your life, following God's will for your life will equal blessings for you, but will also equal blessings for others. Now, just think of it. None of us will ever be called to do what Mary did. None of us will be called to give birth to the Messiah. That was Mary's job. That was Mary's assignment. But you know what? All of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what? We're called to announce his birth. We're called to announce his death and his resurrection. We're to share that freely. And if we live our lives for God's glory, seeking his will for our lives, his plan for our life, not only will we be blessed, but we'll be a blessing to other people. Because Mary's obedience led to so much more, didn't it? Not just blessing for her and her family, but blessing to everyone. Why? Because God used her to bring forth the Savior, Emmanuel, God, with us. And God desires to touch other people through our lives. God desires to touch other people through your life. Did you know that? God desires to bless other people through your life. Now, if I'm obedient, for instance, in my life, if I'm obedient to God and God's calling upon my life, I should be a blessing to my wife. I should be a blessing to my kids. I should be a blessing to this church. I should be a blessing to you. And all the while, guess what? I'm getting blessed. Talk about a win-win. God's plan for your life equals blessing for you, but also blessings for others. You see, Mary brought forth the Savior of the world. And in doing so, as the song said, she kissed her baby and thus kissed the face of God. Talk about a win-win. Talk about a win-win, beloved. Follow God's plan and you'll get blessed and others will get blessed. But there's something else that I got to remind you of from Mary's life. And it's very simply this. I dare not hide this from you. We've talked about the fact that God has a plan for your life. And God's plan means blessings for you. And God's plan means blessings for others. But there's something else we're reminded of in Mary's life, and that's this. God's plan is good, but not always easy. God's plan is good, but not always easy. Now, I want you to think about Mary for a moment. We've studied in years gone by, specifically the characters of Mary and Joseph, probably teenagers in that day, living out this. And imagine the hardship that this meant for Mary and Joseph as their betrothed husband and wife. She's a spouse to her husband, Joseph. And now here she is with child. Before they came together, before everything was complete, she's found pregnant. Now imagine the talk. Imagine the gossip. Imagine the rumors. Imagine the misunderstandings. Uh, no, really, I, I really, I really am a virgin. I've never known a man... I'm just a pregnant virgin. Virgin. Now think about that. Put yourself in that village. Put yourself around Mary. And imagine the hardship and the pain that was involved in all that. Then on top of that, you have, as you look at the life of this family, that there's someone who wants to kill the baby. Kill the little toddler. And they have to flee for their life. Not to mention... Following God's plan meant, in many regards, throwing out their own plans, didn't it? 
You that are married, think back, especially your ladies, as you planned out your marriage, your, your marriage ceremony, and your life, your hopes and your dreams. And yet God stepped in and said, listen, Mary, God has a plan for your life. You're going to bring forth the Messiah. And so she is blessed in so many ways, but it's not always easy. And then think about Mary's life. We talked about her life as a whole. There would come a day where she would stand at the foot of a cross. And she would look up and she would see the Savior dying. She would see her baby who had become a man. Bleeding. Dying. Before her. But what was Mary's decision? Look at Luke 1 again. Verse 38. The angels come and told her these good things. It says in verse 38, Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now beloved, she made up her mind to follow the Lord's plan for her life. Even though she didn't know what all it would mean. She didn't say, well, can you, can you lay it all out before me? And let me know every detail. We, we, we want it that way, don't we? God, God, I want to follow you, but could you let me know what all that means? In all reality, if God let us know what all it meant, we probably would never follow him, would we? You see, Mary shows us the way to follow the Lord. Follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Obey, period. Obey. Period. Mary, God wants to bring forth the Messiah through your life. Behold, the maidservant of, your, of the Lord, be it unto me as you desire. Charles Stanley often says it this way. Obey God and leave all the consequences to him. That's the way we're to live our life. That's the way we're to carry out our life, our assignment. We step out in faith knowing that God is good. And whatever God has for our life is good, and it's for His honor and His glory. You see, Mary stepped out in faith, and, and Romans 8.28 hadn't been written yet. Did you realize that? We have Romans 8.28, don't we? <coughs> Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose. But following God's plan for your life is not always easy. It's not always easy. Just ask Jesus. What did it mean for Jesus to follow the Father's plan? It meant that he stepped out of the splendor of heaven into this world. Robed himself in flesh. Now remember, that's not the beginning of Jesus. It's the beginning of Jesus in the flesh. He's always been. He's God. But he steps and robes himself in flesh. And he comes as a little baby. So we celebrate. How humbling. Many of you would not be willing. I wouldn't be willing. We would say, hey, I'm willing to step into those shoes again. I want to go back in time and become a baby again. No. But here's God in the flesh coming. Then living a sinless, perfect life. And he didn't come to the palace, did he? He didn't come to Pharaoh. No, he came to these little peasant people here. A poor boy and a poor girl. He lived a sinless, perfect life. But then what did he do? He voluntarily laid down his life on that cross for you and for me. Beloved, thank God that Jesus followed 
the plan the Father had for his life. Now what about you? God has a plan for your life. It means blessing for you. It means blessings for others. But following that plan is not always easy. But the question is, what will you do? Can I ask you today, are you following God's plan for your life? It begins at the foot of the cross. Has there ever been a time in your life where you realize that you're a sinner? You're undone. You cannot save yourself. But then you saw one hanging on a tree for you. Bleeding and dying for you. And he was buried. And he rose again victorious. It says, if you'll turn from your sin and place your faith in me, I'll save you. I'll give you a new home, a new name, a new destiny, a new purpose. Have you ever followed the Lord Jesus? Have you ever given your heart and life to the Lord Jesus? Do you know Jesus Christ today? If not, that's the starting point. That's what needs to be determined today. That's what needs to be settled today. To come and place your faith in Jesus Christ. Now I know many here today would say, listen, I already know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I say, praise God. I rejoice with you. But let me ask you this question. Is your prayer the same as Jesus' prayer? Say, what do you mean, preacher? Remember there in the garden as he's wrestling with God's plan? Sweating, as it were, great drops of blood. What did he pray? He said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. You see, as followers of Jesus Christ, that's how we're to live. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Beloved, God has a plan for your life. That plan means blessings for you. That plan means blessings for others through your life. But you know what? That plan is not always easy. But it's best. It's for your good. And it's for God's glory. I don't want you to close up shop and shuffle papers. I want you to listen because I want to close with some words that Max Licato wrote in a little piece that he simply calls Mary's Prayer. Listen as he writes, God, O infant God, heaven's fairest child, conceived by the union of divine grace with our disgrace. Sleep well. Sleep well. Bask in the coolness of this night, bright with diamonds. Sleep well, for the heat of anger simmers nearby. Enjoy the silence of the crib, for the noise of confusion rumbles in your future. Savor the sweet safety of my arms, for a day is soon coming when I cannot protect you. Rest well, tiny hands, for though you belong to a king, you will touch no satin, own no gold. You will grasp no pen, guide no brush. Know your tiny hands are reserved for works more precious. To touch a leper's open wound. To wipe a widow's weary tear. To claw the ground of Gethsemane. Your hands so tiny, so tender, so white. Clutch tonight in the infant's fist. They aren't destined to hold a scepter nor wave from a palace balcony. They're reserved instead for a Roman spike. That will staple them to a Roman cross. Sleep deeply, tiny eyes. Sleep while you can, for soon the blurriness will clear and you will see the mess we have made of your world. You will see our nakedness, for we cannot hide. 
You will see our selfishness, for we cannot give. You will see our pain, for we cannot heal. O eyes that will see hell's darkest pit and witness her ugly print. Sleep, please sleep. Sleep while you can. Lay still, tiny mouth. Lay still, mouth from which eternity will speak. Tiny tongue that will soon summon the dead. That will define grace. That will silence our foolishness. Rosebud lips upon which ride a starborn kiss of forgiveness to those who believe you. And of death to those who deny you, lay still. And tiny feet cupped in the palm of my hand, rest. For many difficult steps lie ahead of you. Do you feel the cold seawater upon which you will walk? Do you wrench at the invasion of the nail you will bear? Do you fear the steep descent down into the spiral staircase into Satan's domain? Rest, tiny feet. Rest today so that tomorrow you might walk with power. Rest, for millions will follow in your steps. And little heart, holy heart, pumping the blood of life through the universe, how many times will we break you? You'll be torn by the thorns of our accusations. You'll be ravaged by the cancer of our sin. You'll be crushed under the weight of your own sorrow, and you'll be pierced. By the spear of our rejection. Yet in that piercing. In that ultimate ripping of muscle and membrane. In that final rush of blood and water. You will find rest. Your hands will be freed. Your eyes will see justice. Your lips will smile. And your feet will carry you home. And there you'll rest again. This time. In the embrace. Of your father. Mary would say in Luke 1 again, My soul praises the Lord. My heart rejoices in God my Savior because he has shown his concern for his humble servant girl. From now on all people will say that I am blessed because the powerful one has done great things for me. Mary, did you know? And now our Heavenly Father... It is with a grateful heart that we bow in your holy presence. And we thank you for that glorious plan of the gospel. Loving us so much that you sent your son to die in our place. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for following the father's plan. Thank you for willingly laying your life on that cross. Taking upon yourself our sin. Thank you for rising again victorious. Thank you for the free gift of eternal life. Now, Father, as we've shared today, we know you have a plan for our life and each person here. And it begins at the foot of the cross. And Father, I pray today, if anyone here does not know the Lord Jesus, then in these next few moments, they'll place their faith in Christ alone. And then for those of us who do know him, Lord, would you examine our hearts and show us whether or not we're following your assignment, your plan for our life. Lord, work in a mighty way now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs>
The invitation today, I hope, is clear. If you need to be saved today, we invite you to come. Just let me know that. I'll welcome you here and place you with someone who loves you and loves Jesus. We'll share Jesus with you. If you're already a child of God today, but maybe God has spoken to your heart. Maybe there's an area you're holding on to, something you're holding out on. Maybe today you need to come and surrender afresh and anew and say, Lord, here is my life. Not my will, but thine be done. I would invite you to come. We didn't rehearse this. We didn't practice this. We're going to attempt to sing this song. We're going to do the very best we can. If I'll remind you again as you'll take that uh, handout there, we sing verse 1, then back to verse 2, then the bridge between verse 2 and 3, and then it ends on the bottom of page, uh, the bottom of the right-hand page at the very ending of verse number 3. We'll do our best as we sing, but the altar's open today. Would you come? As we sing, Mary, did you know? Let's stand and sing. <laughs>